This is an SJC Radio production. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This is Pit Stop with Mr. Bird on SJC Radio. Welcome to episode four, uh, series. Is it series four? Series four. It's all the fours. It has come very quickly. We have to start off with an apology. What do we have to apologize for? Sound quality. the sound quality of last week. Now we've just we've discovered what the problem was. Joe, perhaps you can tell our listeners because you discovered it. The volume was the recording volume was all the way up, making us sound like you know, sort of shouting in your ear. But it, but in all fairness, we, we've just been adjusting the volume level. It got too quiet. And... Yes, so we only had to reduce it a tiny factor. Hopefully, it's better this week, though. I think it's going to be perfect this I week. Hopefully, it is. Yeah. Just so. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max. Now, so that was a negative, which you apologise for. But actually, a positive. I've had a lot of very positive feedback about the way the show ended last week. The, the, the recordings I did of our foreign students saying goodbye in the native languages, lots of people said that was really good. And somebody said we should actually, I should say what languages they were. I can't remember all of them. <laughs> but that, so. There were lots of them, but we had French. We had we had both Catalan and Spanish. We had Cantonese and Mandarin. I think we had some Sri Lankan. There was some Nigerian, and there was also some Czech as well. So those are all Saint John's pupils saying goodbye in their native languages. Um, am I gonna? Did you did you hear Max? Yeah, I did. You showed us at the end of history. I, I beg your pardon? At the end. Oh, the end. Oh, right, I played yeah. you at the end of the history lesson. After the lesson. Yeah, not during not the history lesson. No, 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 no. anything as unprofessional as that. Well, of course not, that would be awful. Right, okay, so, um, before, before we move on to race reports, is there any news in the world of form? Max has got his hand up. Fresh off the press, 24 minutes ago. Sebastian Vettel <laughs> thinks that F1 will eventually disappear, and probably rightly so, if it does not develop more sustainable engine technologies uh, because right. they've released a new biofuel. Right. Okay. I quite like Sebastian. I like him too. Apparently, they, 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 they reckon he's the nicest person in Formula 1. Yeah. He looks like a lovely guy. Mm. Well, after the British Grand Prix, he was helping clearing up rubbish. Yeah. And I, I'm somebody who, on, when I go for a walk, I always pick up rubbish. So I, I admire that. So, well, Sebastian Vettel, if you're such a nice guy, if you're listening, which we know you are, please come on and do a little segment. Thank you. XOXO. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Max. I'll be surprised if he is listening, but but if he is, we have got some guests coming on the show. Joe, I, I, your, your brother's lined up some more guests. Sebastian Vettel is not one of them. Yeah, I'm not sure he sure is. That. He, is well, he might be now. He might be now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we do have it in the future. And also, we have that one with Patrick Curry. Yes, I, I think we're going to mention that towards the end. We had right, a message. Well, we, had a, we had a message. That was from, actually, yeah. It was very good. Yeah. Right, uh, now, 
Finn, you are chomping at the bit. Because we're moving on to race reports. Um, was, here we go, you like this. Was the Turkish Grand Prix a bit of a turkey? Or was it a really good race then? I thought that was quite good. It works, yeah. It does, it does work. Yeah. Finn, was it a turkey? What did you think of it? <laughs> so, yeah. the start and end of it, the start of the Grand Prix, the first yeah. six or so laps was right. good. Okay. So was what? Schumacher went off and um, Alonso went off on turn one. Yeah. Which is quite frustrating because I put him third. You did, yes. <laughs> you put Alonso. Alonso. Yeah. So <laughs> first corner he goes off. Yeah. I think it's nice. He's qualified fifth, actually. You might be thinking. Yeah. yeah I'm, like, I'm like, I was gassing qualifying. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then quite gassing qualifying. I don't know what I mean, yet. Um, but um. Stick, stick to the script, Finn. Stick to the script. <laughs> he, he is the only one that's been scripted. <laughs> well, that he was ordered to do that. <laughs> now, was, uh, what, what impressed me there is that Finn was actually quite positive. Because the last race, was, I, I got the impression it was quite a good race in, in Russia. <laughs> Finn said it was just rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> but he liked the first six laps of Turkey. Anything else to say from your script, Finn? Yes. Um, I liked the last couple of laps as well. Because the, the, there was a Hamilton pit stop, which... Yeah. Um, uh, messed his racer. Yeah. So now Stafford's leading the championship. Mm-hmm. Which we're happy about. <coughs> so, um, Finn, Finn enjoyed the first six laps and you enjoyed the last... Four or five. What, what about the stuff in between? What, no. What? That's, no. That's why... No, it's, it's a no. It's a no. <coughs> okay, so... And then oh. there was... Um, uh, Gasly got a five-second penalty for hitting him. And two penalties. For, for hitting who? Yeah, uh, for... Alonso. Alonso, your man, Alonso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were quite pleased about it, obviously. No, actually. I oh, think you weren't? It's absolutely ridiculous. Hold on, your He's man. He's sandwiched. Um, oh, yes. Um, yes, I... Gasly was in the middle of Alonso and Paris. You're saying he didn't, he didn't have any choice. He, he, he was... Right, so, what's your score out of five? I'm going to go 2.5. Yeah, I thought it might be. That, that makes sense. That's half of five, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good. It is. Improving. Good. Max, that was that was not Max. Finn, well done. That was very good. Right, Ed. Yes. A score out of five and reasoning for that. I'll give it a three and a half. Ooh. I felt it wasn't it wasn't one of the best races we've seen this year, but then it wasn't one of the worst. I don't think. I mean, there was there was stuff going on. You had the pit stops towards the end of the race, which did you know change the order of everything. You could have had um, Hamilton on the podium if he pitted a bit earlier, but decided to take the risk. There was a lot of go- a lot of stuff going on. Um, also, as Finn said, the first few laps were pretty entertaining with lots of collisions and some good overtaking moves as well. And Yuki Sonoda, like the young, uh, well, he's one of the youngest there, he's a Japanese guy. And uh, Tari, he got off Hamilton for like four or five minutes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that's yeah. good. He did really well. Pretty well. That's good, isn't it? Excellent. Joe, what about you? What, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I like the race. I watched it in its entirety, um, live. And, yeah, really, really liked it. I um, thought it was a good race. Um, with enough action, but not too much, you could concentrate on the storyline, which is great. Um, so I'd give it a four, because I, yes. I genuinely enjoyed it. That's good. That's, yeah. that's a good star rating. And Max, what about you? Right. So, I'm just thinking back. I think we saw some amazing work from Perez. Yes. That was truly amazing. Oh, that, 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 that battle with Hamilton. I thought exquisite. Hamilton should have got a warning for that because he did rather push he him into push a push. He did push him into the pits. He actually it? had to go past the bollard. He did, that's all. Which I think counts us off track, really. Yeah. But anyway, um, it was a good race because Hamilton mucked himself over, which I quite liked because he got angry because um, <laughs> he when he pitted, he lost two positions. But if he went in and stopped when being his team said. arrogant and actually yeah. went in when he was asked to, he probably would have got a podium. I reckon he would have got yeah. a podium. Yeah, 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 right. So, <coughs> really, that made the race for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Hamilton at all. Um, I think Bottas did quite well. Yeah. For his, no, no, none of us saw that coming. Be the last ever F1 win. Valtteri Bottas was flawless the yeah. whole race. Yeah. And they get one moment on the exit of turn when we got the rear the stepped rear, out rear, a little he bit. He caught it amazingly. But he yeah. caught it, it and then, yeah. It the highest any of us had Bottas was third. Two people yeah, to have. Yeah, he did a massive pin. He did a massive pin. Yeah, he's just getting drifting. 
Okay. My brother likes to say that Mazepin should um, quit F1 and start, start uh, his career in drifting. Okay. <laughs> well, right, donuts. There is a Formula so 2 competition. I, there is, I can get impression that the, your brother Max is... Does he like Formula 1? No. Well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, thank you for that, Finn. Thank you for that. Right. Um, um, stars. How many stars have you? Two and a half, three, three. three. I think, and it only goes up one half because I found out that David Crofty, the uh, commentator, has already bought his Christmas turkey. No, yeah. that would go down a half, wouldn't it? Nah, go up. Why, why, you, no, well, hold on. You pre-order it. Hold on. Isn't this panic buying? No. no, he just said he's gone to the butchers, he's gone to get it. Yeah. Oh, order it. He's ordered it. Yeah, he hasn't it. bought it. Just I, see right. bought it. Well, I think he's spent the money on it. Well, if he's, if he's panic it. buying, I would, I would actually murder it. <laughs> I don't think he's doing that. Yeah, but people like panic buying. We've seen that in the last that, few though. weeks, haven't we? Um, Can't imagine what that would be. I, I watched a little bit of... No, I, I kind of watched the, just the highlights on YouTube. What surprised me, I saw you know, the, you know, the overtakes into the into the last couple of corners, the, the, the main overtaking spots. When I was watching those, they didn't appear to be using DRS. So, and I went on the internet. Did they move the DRS zone to something? In, Ed? in the wet, they don't use DRS. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ah, oh, that explains it. I think, hold on, they're overtaking. I can't see DRS being activated here. So there was no DRS during the race at all? No. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I would therefore give it... Four out of five stars. <laughs> because like there DRS were loads of overtaking without DRS. Any non-DRS overtake is a good overtake. Well, hopefully, with the new regs, Get there won't be a need Get for DRS. Yeah. yeah, hopefully. Um, it was a shame that, again, we didn't see the circuit at its best because it was a bit wet. I'm giving... Because I, I, I grade the circuits. I'm giving... I'm going to give it an A-. minus. For this occasion or just... No, no, the, the circuit gets, gets an A-. minus. Why? Good question, Joe. Um, some of the runoffs are quite large. Mm. If there's some of the runoff, let's say turn eight, for example, the runoffs are a bit too big for my liking. If it was slightly smaller runoffs, it would get an A. Mm. It, it, is, it is a brilliant racetrack. And bizarrely, it was designed by Helen Tilker. One of the few well, nice the, tracks he's the, done. The only one. The, yeah. All his others have been terrible. I don't know what happened with Turkey. Um, Maybe somehow, it wasn't him. <laughs> that's you might be right. Yes, but um, it is a brilliant racetrack. A minus it gets. Um, moving on, uh, I saw a little bit of the. You mentioned the Norris Ring DTM race. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Um, about that. Well, I, I watched the highlights on YouTube, and there was an awful lot of contact. Kevin Mainly, Van yeah, he's one of them. There and was, he, more, and he, there was tons and he sort of, of cost Liam, Liam Oh, was he the Audi, Audi driver who went up the yeah. inside yeah. of Liam Lawson? Twice. And both Ferraris were then out of that first race as a result. And it meant that Liam Lawson then cost him the championship. Yes. There was an awful lot of contact in that. I tell you what, Norris Ring, that's a proper street circuit. You go slightly wide, you're into a concrete wall. Um, it's only about a mile long. It's a really good track, actually. It's two straights, two hairpins with uh, an S section, and, and that's it. That produces really good racing. Um, yeah, so that, that was entertaining. Now, the all-important points table. There has been a significant change. Now, I think we'll start off with um, the winners and losers from the weekend. So, um, the loser from the weekend was Max. Uh, Max, you scored 10 points. And then actually, Joe, you scored 20 points. Oh, yeah. Oh, as, as did you, Finn. You scored 20 points. What were my predictions? Uh, your predictions, Max, were Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton. Oh, okay. Only got the 10 points for. Um, I came second with 35 points. I got Perez in third. Nobody else got that. But, Ed, rather frustratingly, you got 35 points as well because you got Verstappen, Verstappen in second. You also got Bottas in third. Now, hold on, hold on. What's going on here? I've made a mistake here. Why have I given you 50 points? Doesn't I've made a mistake here. No, I've got this all wrong. I've made an error. It's, Don't worry, so we you had Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas. So, so that's 25 points for Verstappen, who was second, mm -hmm. plus 10. Yeah. So that's 35, not 50. You've got a pen on you. I've got this all wrong. Because this is... I don't know why I went wrong there. This is significant. So we're just doing some maths here. So that's now 35 points. So you're on... Uh, right. Oh, this is very close. Okay. Now, Finn, um, 
obviously not in. I'm on the leaderboard though. Well, you, you're in last place. Technically, you're only you're only about 400 behind the rest of us. But North Fantasy, you've just started. Um, doing better than me, Rossi Twin. Well, well, I tell you what. Okay, fourth place, Max, 420 points. It gets re- it's closer at the top. Third place is me, 480. Joe, you're now in second place with 500. Ed, 505. Oh, is that with the 50 points? Though, well, no, no, it's 35. I've made the correction okay. there. It is very tight at the top. Very tight. Very tight at the top. Uh, I'm actually gunning for overall victory because we've got MotoGP coming up in two weeks where I'm hoping to, to make up some ground. So that's all rather good. Um, now, we had a, a message from Tom. Um, motorsport, the A to Z of motorsport. Ah, now this is quite good because I, I, I'm going to spring this on you, so I don't really want any thought. Right. What does the letter T mean to you? Finn, give that some thought, actually. You might find that. Don't mind if you can't do that, Finn. Um, Ed, what does T Off the top of the head. My first thought is Tyrrell. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Um, do you know they the crisps? <laughs> well, <laughs> not the crisps, but the, the, the racing team. Yeah. Uh, probably 70s, wasn't it? What? No, hold on. So. Tyrrell went up until the 90s. Oh, right. Now, hold on, hold on. Who did Tyrrell become? Can we do... Let me try and remember oh. this. Can you just do a check on this? Tyrrell, did they become... Did they become B-A-R? Can you just check on that now, please? Yeah. I'm not sure I'm right on that. I think did. Did Tyrrell become B-A-R? And in which, if they did, then that happened in 98. Can you just, just check that? I think Tyrrell became B-A-R. Um... When you think of two, can do you think of any sort of drivers in particular? No, in particular, really. It's just yeah, they were supposed to be AR. Right, good. Because that was well remembered. So Tyrrell finished in '97. They were very competitive, as you know, as in, in the '70s. I mean, Jackie Stewart won well, championships. Yes. They've won what eight championships since that. Well, that team which became Tyrrell. Oh yeah, which became BAR, which, which became, became Honda, which became Honda. Mercedes, which became Braun. Braun. So actually, yes. Yeah, so, so your Tyrrell team are now in effect your eight-time world champion Mercedes team. It's actually the most successful team in F1. Yeah. Um, no, how many has Ferrari got? Ferrari's pretty oh, good. Ferrari 15, line. 12, 15? Yeah. Yeah, but actually, they're not the same team because that actually yeah. because because the, even the the, the but where the team is based, I'm not sure where Tyrrell were based, but but Mercedes are based in Brackley. Tyrrell were right. based in Brackley, so uh, there we go. Tyrrell, that, that, that's good. Uh, what about, I remember about Tyrrell. Um, I mean, obviously the early '80s. When was their last win? I, I I think I can remember this. Their last win, I'm going to say, was in probably 1983. And it would have been Michele Alboreto probably in the Detroit Grand Prix. Check that. They came close to winning a Grand Prix in 1990. John Alesi uh, almost won the Phoenix Grand Prix. Right, I'm going to say Michele Alboreto, 1983. Detroit Grand Prix was the last yeah. two will win. Am I right on that, Max? You are correct. Jeez. So you... how many wins did they take? What, that year? No, in total. Oh, in the, well, in I the don't know. History. A lot because... Out of 460... Alboreto won starts. a couple. You had you probably had, um, I'm sure, sort of Peroni and Depaye won some races. You had Jackie Stewart obviously won some races. I'm going to guess uh, 25. That's a complete guess. 33. 33. That's not a million miles off, is it? Right. Thank you for that. T, what does T mean to you, Joe? Um, motor wise, motoring wise. Yeah, Motorsport wise, yes. Yeah. Tone grown if it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably tyres or tyre tread. Probably is the first thing that comes You're going to have to come up with some interesting facts about that if you go oh. on with tyres. Oh, okay. Your um, tyres is the first thing. You well, well, think t- about it. Well, you tires, think about it to tyres. Well, in all fairness, tyres are very important, aren't they? Oh, yeah, the, without them, you'd be pretty... On the new, like, tyre rim sizes for next year. I think they're different. They're bigger. 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 Ah, yeah, 22 20 inches. Two inches. Yeah. Right, there we go. Um, well, as we know, Formula 1 tyres are very important. You, you get the wrong combination of tyres. And all wrong tyres at the wrong time. Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, I've said this before, tyres in Formula 1 I find really, really boring. Really? Yeah, I, like it. I think it's just a bit of a boring thing. Like, the whole Pirelli problem. Well, I, I find this idea of having to use both both sets in the week. Oh, yeah. I, just, I, I literally fall asleep. But they mention that, I lose interest. In I, don't the, I don't mind the right. uh, Max, T. T. I have two. First one I think of is Turn. Turn. Oh gosh. Right. Okay. I, I was hoping for sort of proper nouns, but there we are. <laughs> okay. Oh no, I forgot it. Sonoda. Oh yeah. Oh, he yeah. just started the tea, doesn't he? Sonoda. Yes, he does. Very good. 
Anything you want to add to that? 60th ever F1 driver to score points for his debut. Thank you for that. Without Googling. That's very good. That's a lie. <laughs> you did Google. Can I tell you who else? I think, hold on, going back to Tyrrell, I think, Max, that Martin Brundle, Max, check this, scored points on his Grand Prix debut in 1984, and he was in the Tyrrell team that year. Can you confirm that? Martin Brundle, Tyrrell, debut, scored points, and now I think the team would had all their points taken away from them later on in the season for some... When did you make, think his first entry was? Uh, 84. 84 Brazil. Brazil. That's his, Martin Brundle's debut and that's in a Tyrrell. I think he came sort of fifth or sixth. Can you just confirm that before I'm we go sure. on? Oh, I'm ready? Doesn't say. Are you sure? I'm looking, sir. Don't 84 Brazilian Grand Prix. Martin Brundle. Like Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was he was racing for you know, two. No, was won by that race. 84. In uh, the meantime, we can talk about other facts about... Well, hold on. Uh, who, won, who won the 84? <laughs> Have you got any other facts about Sonoda? Oh, 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 oh the, hold on. Max well, is there. Got it. What do we got? Come on, Max. Um, Eddie Scherver finished fourth in the Alfa Romeo, while Renault's Patrick Tombe, Tombe right. was classified in sixth after right. running out of petrol on lap six, losing fifth to another F1 rookie... Martin Brundle, Brundle thank which you. means fifth would have scored points. Yes, it did. The but they were later they, I, disqualified for technical infringement. I just said that. This promotes Tambay yes. to fifth. Tombay. 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 No, it's Tombay. Okay, Tombay promoted to fifth yeah. and the Arrows Ford of someone else to sixth. Arrows Ford. Can I, this is 84 Arrows Ford. Was it Mark Shura? Nope. Can you give me the, the initials? TB. TB. Jay Bootson. It is Jay Bootson. Yeah. Right. Can I just say, viewers, that everything I say comes from, you know, from inside my head. As does the ones No, he sat here on his smartphone. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Don't let him fool you, right. listeners. No, my smartphone lives at home. I never have it on me. Everybody knows that. Let's move on. <laughs> right. Mr. Uh, Bond is always for a response from his text message. Mr. Bond. Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Right. Letter T. Well, that, I, I've got two possible ones here. I, I was thinking... Because I was looking at proper nouns, so I was thinking maybe Tamburello. What, 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 oh, yeah, you know, good one. Imola. Imola. Corner, Imola. Imola. I was thinking the old Tamburello, so we're talking like quick. up to 94, very fast, very fast. But I'm not going for Tamburello. I'm going for Tolman. When I was your age, slightly younger, uh, they were my favourite team. So when I first got into Formula 1, they were my favorite. They weren't very good, but they were my favorite team. Don't worry, you survived for, for Tolman. I don't why? know. Probably the first car. No, I don't remember why. Because they were sponsored by Candy, I think, which made washing machines. I quite like the colours. So I, I said, that's the team for me. Sir? What's that, sir? What, yeah? I can't remember the year. <laughs> now, uh, Tolman. <laughs> no, you do hold on. Tolman. What's interesting about Tolman? Tolman became um, Benetton. And Benetton became Renault. And that's it. That's the that's 80, the, the eighty four Tolman. Is that what year you fell in love? No, with? it wasn't. Now, um, so I think Tolman are nowadays are, are Renault. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. so there we go. Oh, so they're LP. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and I remember when I was your age, maybe maybe a year younger than you, I used to write to the Formula One teams. Because we didn't have, you know, internet and stuff. So I used to say, you know, I wrote to Tolman and said, I'm a big fan of your team. You know, if you can send me some posters, that'd be great. They sent me a poster of Terry Farby, signed by Terry Farby. They sent no me way. a photograph of Ayrton really Senna, cool. uh, signed by Ayrton Senna. Wow. And I wrote a letter expressing my opinions about Formula One. And Alex Hawkbridge, who was the the, 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 the head man of Tolman, wrote me a letter back saying, you know, agree with all your opinions about... I was talking about the... Um, I think it was the, the in 1984, no, uh, they were restricted to 220 litres and only the McLaren tags were able to sort of use that fuel efficiently. Everybody else ran out of fuel. And I said, this is daft, basically. And, and he agreed with Did that. Did you say daft? Like, well, Did you always say daft, sir? I know I, no, I didn't say daft. I said it was bad or something. But he agreed. Silly. Silly. I, I might have said that. He agreed with everything I said. Right. Oh. Excellent. Ed, are you ready? Oh, we've got a fact of the week. You, you I have one too. Oh, yeah. I, I think she goes to Joe's facts. Right. Okay, so you had quite a good fact, didn't you, yeah. earlier? So the Grand Prix, Turkish Grand Prix we've just had, yes. is only the 12th Grand Prix in the history of Grand Prix um, to not have a single DNF. Isn't that the second race this season where that's happened? Yeah. Second race this season. See, is that a good thing? 
Yes and no. I would no, say no. yes because it no. means the car's coming more reliable, so it's more down to driver skill yeah. rather than the cars beefing out on them. Yeah. Um, but no because often <laughs> sort of you get safety cars, you get things like that, which often spice up the race. See, in the old days, you go back to go back to the eighties, early eighties. Some of the racing wasn't. Some of the races were, were very very processional. Not an awful lot happened. But you guarantee, yeah, much better. But you can guarantee in the turbo era that cars would blow up, and it's quite spectacular. So you have races, <laughs> let's say the 82 season, you know, race after race, the Renault, Zavala and Frost would disappear into the distance. They never finished, always blow up, and quite spectacularly so. So I, I like the unreliability. It just makes it, it, it keeps you yeah. on the edge of your seat to the end. Um, I quite like it. A that. bit like Hamilton Maya. last year, where his tyre, oh. where he finished on three tyres. Where was that? Uh, Silverstone. Yeah, and he, he won on three tyres. He had for like um third sector to go in the last lap. Max Verstappen was chasing down. I think every second he was okay. making up a second. Okay, that's um, good. So yeah, I have two facts for a week. Oh, good. They're kind of in depth. Good. That's Not really, but I could make a as a great historian. Taught by the best historian. I just <laughs> make links between very two sophisticated, very sophisticated two links. Okay, and right. here I go. Right, okay, good luck with this. On Sunday, mm-hmm. Max Verstappen equaled a number of something by someone. Podiums, to be precise. Right, okay. Any idea who he equaled Equal. record with? I've got an idea. Max Verstappen. You already know, so you right. have to. Don't, don't tell me. He's got a lot of podiums. Mm. Um, 54. 54. Oh, well done, Fred. 54 That's podiums. So who would have well had 54 done. podiums? You can't give us a clue on this. I mean, it could be anybody. Around your era. Oh, my era. Right. Okay. Um, still an awful lot of drivers, though, isn't it? Maybe there? a bit before your era. Uh, before my era. Very Fif- famous rivalry. Ah, uh, Louder and Hunt, then, isn't yeah. it? So is it Hunt? It's Louder. It's Louder. And this oh, actually links with my this, next fact. Yeah, I like this. Which is, on this day, we're filming on Tuesday. We are, it is Tuesday, yeah. In 2014, 2014. Nicky Lauda's racing team yes. won their first ever championship this in is, Mercedes. Oh, no, so this, this is Mercedes, isn't it? Mercedes, yes. So Mercedes in 2014, on this day. On this day in 2014. Was Lauda working for Mercedes in 2014? Yes. He was? Yeah. I know he was. I didn't realise he was working with them in 2014. Um, So you've done quite well there, Max. You have kind of linked them, haven't you? Exactly. Historian in the making. That's very good. Thank you very much. Excellent. We've got to mention, although we did mention this a couple of episodes ago, but it hasn't actually gone out. Um, Tom says that we have to mention the pit stop pilgrimage clue and the answer. You got that ready there. I don't have it on me, but I can get it. If you can leave a gap. Yeah, that's after. Right. Leave a gap after we give the answer, not leave a gap before. This is how organised we are. We are very organised. I'm now just going to keep on talking. Right. Um, So let's to fill some space. Yes. What is your favourite track on the calendar, Max? Yes, my favourite track, Joe. Is Zambolt. Is it really? Yeah, that's no, that, I do love that far. But can I just say, if we're, if we're going back to track ratings, Zambolt gets an A from me. Spa gets an A minus. Really? Why? Really? Because of the camel straight. How long is it? No, 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 no. I've walked up the camel straight. It's long and it's quite. I think it's slightly uphill. I've actually walked on the track. Wow. The track. If I've walked up, in, you know, Eau Rouge, Radion, yeah. I've walked up there. It's quite steep. And I've walked all the How way. How steep is it? It's quite steep. So much. It is quite steep, and I walked. Yeah, the Camel Straight is uphill. You, you don't see that on television. Um, the reason why I'm giving Spahn A minus, um, the runoff at La Source, yeah. the runoff at Blanchimont is ridiculous, and the runoff at Pumont and Stavolo, they don't need all that runoff. It's tarmac. It looks awful. But there's some good news. They are planning to, I think, Stavolo, Blanchimont, um, they're looking to put gravel traps there, which will make the track look really good again. Right, excellent. So, Ed, um, you're going to read out the, the, the clue and the answer, and then we have to leave a gap. Right, so the clue is, the atmosphere is electric here, where big cats rule. Let's listen to the tick rap. It's a 44-mile car journey. And just oh, I, 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 I got that. Because the, the answer, it's very obvious that the, the tick rap was the anagram, and I knew that the answer was Patrick. It is yeah. from Formula E. It is, and of course we did a um, 
an interview with him over the holidays and I think we're going to hear some snippets of it now. Okay, it's really exciting now. We've got our first ever guest uh, on Pit Stop with Mr Bird and we're really lucky to be joined by Patrick Corey who's the Design Office Manager from Jaguar Racing Formula E team uh, and he's joining us today as well I should say uh, in a personal capacity. He's not talking on behalf of the team uh, but he's uh, joined us which is great. Hi Patrick. Hi Tom, thank you very much for inviting me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. We've also still got uh, Ed, Joe, Max and Mr Bird with us as well. Uh, and I think, Ed, you're going to kick off with a uh, first question to ask Patrick. Yeah, so Patrick, for those listening who might not know much about Formula E, could you just explain what it is for us? Sure. Uh, Formula E is the first all-electric uh, racing category in the world. Um, it started seven years ago. We had our first race in Beijing in 2014. Um, at the time, uh, we had 20 teams. Everyone had the same car, the, the same chassis, motor, inverter, battery, everything like that. And, and the championship kicked off as a, as a spec formula. Uh, since then, we're into a second generation of race car with increased battery capacity. Um, we make our, all the teams make and design their own powertrains, which is the motor, the inverter, the gearbox, the suspension and everything like that. Um, and uh, the cars have gotten faster, more efficient. The, the racing is spectacular and, and it's developed over those seven years. Um, the big thing about Formula E is that it's promoting uh, electric, electric vehicles. And the way we do that is uh, it's an all electric powertrain. We race in city centres where electric cars will first be used by, by the majority of people. Um, and uh, the, the unique thing about the racing is that if we were to race flat out for the course of the race, we, we, they don't give us enough energy to do that. Um, we have to, uh, the race distance is say 30% longer than what the cars will do. So we have to save energy during the race, which is a really complex thing. Um, and as well as the drivers racing the other cars in, in, in the field, they have to manage all these energy saving strategies and things like that as well. Uh, so it's quite a unique racing formula. It's certainly very competitive and close. Uh, I've worked in a few different motorsport categories and it's by far the most interesting from the engineering side. It's a, it's a great championship. Brilliant. Yeah, that sounds cool. I was going to come with a question. Um, um, Patrick, what, what, what other uh, motorsport fields have you, have you worked in uh, out of interest? I've, uh, I've been in motor racing 25 years. Um, yeah. I was uh, I started in Australia. I'm, I'm from Australia, and uh, apart from starting racing go karts with my brother on weekends in between school, uh, when I was at university, I started working or helping out um, a Formula Ford team on weekends, and they did touring cars as well. And when I finished university, they gave me my first job in Australian touring cars. Uh, I worked for the Audi Sport Super Touring team in Australia as well, and I did a bit of V8 supercars. Uh, then I moved to England where I started in Formula 3000. Uh, I worked in, Formula 3000 was a great championship. Uh, in 2005, that changed to GP2, uh, which is the feeder to Formula One. I worked for the Supernova Racing Team over here in Norfolk. Um, I then moved to the Caterham GP2 team and then onto the Caterham F1 team. Uh, from, uh, from the F1 team, I, in 2014, I moved into Formula E where I started working with Virgin Racing and I was with them for the first two years. Uh, I should say over my time, I've, I've been a race engineer for almost all of these years. That's, that's my core job, uh, my core skills, I guess. Um, when I started in Formula E, I was engineering Sam Bird for the first two seasons. And then from season three, I joined Jaguar Racing, uh, which is run by Williams Advanced Engineering over at Grove on the same site as the Williams F1 team. Um, I was a race engineer for the first two teams, first, sorry, I was a race engineer for the first two seasons that the team existed. And then I moved into the role of design office manager. Uh, we've got a crew of about 75 people in our team. Uh, less than 20 of those go to the racetrack. So the vast majority of them are in the workshop. Uh, and because we design and manufacture our whole powertrain, we've got a fairly big design office and I manage about a dozen designers there. Yeah. So I've, I've done quite a bit of race engineering. 
Um, I'm now factory based. I do a couple of races a year, testing and things like that. Um, yeah, it, it's great to see motor racing from a number of different points of view because it's, it's, a, it's a very exciting world to live in, I guess. Uh, and uh, I guess the other advantage of being in Formula E is that the teams are small, so you get to have a hand in almost everything. Um, the job I do now is kind of right in the middle of it all, and I really enjoy that interaction with all the different areas of the team. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And just for people who don't know very much about Jaguar uh, Formula E team, uh, could you describe a bit about the team? So who are the drivers there? Um, and also who's the, uh, you know, James Barkley, that sort of lot. Um, because I personally follow them, I really enjoy watching them race. So for people who don't know, could you describe a little bit about uh, them to us, please? Yeah, of course. Um, there's kind of, uh, we are one team, but there's kind of two sides to the team. Uh, we've got the Jaguar side, of which James Barclay heads up that side, um, and all the marketing people, maybe about 10 of those people come to the races, at, at the five to 10 people, uh, and, and they're the Jaguar side of things. And then we have the technical side of the team, uh, which is people who are all employed by Williams Advanced Engineering. Um, this was, it used to be part of the whole Williams group of companies. There was the F1 team and Williams Advanced Engineering. It's now separate, we're our own company. Um, so Jaguar hired Williams Advanced Engineering to run the Formula E team for them. And so we design, manufacture and operate the cars all from our facility in Grove. Um, so there's, uh, as I said, there's about 75 people on that side of the team. Um, at the racetrack, uh, you see about 17 people. That's how many we're allowed to have. Um, the team started in 2016. Uh, it was the first manufacturer to commit to Formula E. And since then, many other manufacturers have committed. You can see all the big ones, Mercedes, Audi, Porsche, Nissan, you know, there's loads of them in there. And uh, Jaguar take this very seriously. It's, uh, they, they, we all put in a, a huge amount of effort. We're in it to win, which we do, luckily sometimes. And, um, and, and it's, it's great being with them. Jaguar, Jaguar are a fantastic company to, to, to be in racing with. They really are proper races and and I like that um that, that's one of the reasons why I'm in this sport yeah so uh yeah so we we started off in 2016 and uh, quite a, as quite a small team and we've we've grown from there yeah thank you um could you explain to us what your job is and how you and how that impacts race day sure um so my job at the moment is as design office manager so my I guess my input happens a lot before the cars get on track. Um, we, uh, I manage a group of about a dozen designers. We've got a fantastic group of people, younger people, older people, less experience, more experience. We've got experts in their field, whether it's uh, suspension or composites or whatever, we cover everything. Um, and uh, and we design everything from scratch. Uh, we we don't buy our motors or inverters. We design them from scratch. Uh, quite a few other teams actually buy their hardware in, but we do it all in house. So I manage uh, the planning of all that, uh, long term planning, short term planning, uh, the work that happens. Um, I interact with a lot of other areas in the team. Um, I guess I'm the main link between the design office and the race team. So. Let's say we produce uh, a race car, we send it to the racetrack, um, then I have a lot to do with how it operates at the track and the feedback we get, solving problems, uh, making things better and, and all that kind of stuff. So because we have to homologate our car at the start of each season, uh, which means um, we present it to the governing body, the FIA, and we present all the drawings and all the information and they say, right, that's your race car, it, it complies with the rules. We're locking it in. You cannot change it all season. Can't you know? You can adjust. You can make little adjustments and within the setup and things like that. But we can't design a new motor and fit it halfway through the season. It's got to stay there. So the design office does their work. Um, we develop it, get it working, get it reliable uh, during testing in the preseason, and then we send it to the racetrack. And and then we can't change it. We have to fix all the problems and all the things that come up in the meantime. Um, but we then move on to designing the next season's car. So we're actually 
already designing the car for not next year, the year after. Um, because it takes that long, it takes that much work uh, to do these things. Yeah. So um, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to bring all the design team together and align them with what the race team needs and what they want um, uh, to get the to get the best out of it, to, to put the best race car on the track. Yeah. Brilliant. And I know you touched on it earlier, but um, could you explain the steps that you took to get where you are now and maybe what steps you would advise someone maybe our age to take to get into motorsport? Yeah, of course. Um, I like I like giving young people help on this because uh, I didn't actually have a lot of help when I was trying to do it myself and uh, it was quite difficult and I know how difficult it is. So um, the, the main thing if, if you want to get into motor racing is you've got to realise that there's really not that many people who get to do it. It's a very small industry. Um, so and it's very competitive it's a competitive industry because it, it's pure competition but it's very competitive just to get in so what you've got to do is show people that you're as good as everyone else and that you're willing to do what it takes to to be successful the way i did that um i when i was at university i went to a racetrack i, I was studying mechanical engineering i should say at the, the university of sydney i thought that would be my best bet uh, and, and that was what I enjoyed doing. Um, I thought that would be a good pathway into racing. And uh, on my free weekends, I'd go out to the racetrack and I'd talk to people in teams, talk to the team managers and things like that, and just say, hey, can I help out? I'll, I'll do anything. And uh, a team took me on and I started cleaning wheels for a Formula Ford car and polishing the car and running around doing this and that. And on any spare weekend that I could, I had to fit it in with my studies. And then uh, gradually they'd let me do more and more uh, and did a few more races and things like that. And by the time I finished my degree, they offered me a job. So um, that, that was how I got into motor racing. I should say I'm very lucky that it was a small team because there's literally three people in the team. And that meant that I got to do everything. Um, out of necessity and just because you had to. So I learned a lot. I was working with really good people. They were good enough to take the time to teach me. And I learned a huge amount in, in that year that I spent with them. I then moved up to a better team, one of the top teams in Australia, which is called Brad Jones Racing. And they were running the Audi Super Touring cars. And, uh, and that's when I kind of became more focused. I became a data engineer and learned uh, what I needed to do, learn my trade, I guess, um, with a really professional team. And in the three years I spent with them, they promoted me to being a race engineer, which was very good of them to do it. You know, they chucked me in the deep end, but I was happy to be chucked in the deep end because uh, that's what you've got to do if you want to get anywhere. Um, I then realized, well, I'd realized for a while that I was limited on how far I could go in motor racing in Australia. In Australia, the biggest racing category is really the V8 supercars that race in the Bathurst 1000 and their, and their nationwide uh, championship. But I wanted to do single seaters. I wanted to do Formula One like every young motorsport engineer wants to. So I moved to England in the year 2000 and uh, I got myself a job in Formula 3000 as a data engineer. After a couple of years, they promoted me to race engineer. Um, so, so I took a step back if I was a race engineer in Australia, I took a step back to learn and to learn more so I could solidly move up into being a race engineer. And, uh, and, and since then, you know, never looked back, I guess. Um, Formula 3000 cars uh, are really good. You know, it's great championship, great category, fast cars, good aero tires, all that kind of stuff. Um, that moved on into GP2, which was again, a step bigger. Um, during that time, we had links with Formula One teams and um and i got to learn a few things on that side of it um and then eventually uh, i was able to move into formula one with caterham um, although i wasn't a race engineer when i was there i was doing a more a factory-based engineering role which was still in within the race engineering team um, but uh, i guess you could say unluckily caterham went south and uh, and the team failed but luckily for me it opened the door to formula e and formula e is the championship that I love more than anything. I better than F3000, GP2, Formula One, the whole lot. It's, it's a fantastic championship from an engineer's point of view, I should say. 
because what we've got is we've got a rate of development that's huge within Formula E, but the teams are still really small. So you're doing loads and loads of stuff. You have exposure to all areas of the team and, and that's really fun and really challenging. Yeah, so to come back to your original question, what do you need to do to get into motor racing? I guess try and figure out what you want to do, whether you want to be an engineer or a mechanic or the marketing side of it, the money, the financial side of it. There are lots of different aspects to it. And then get in touch with teams and, and try and get some experience with them. Uh, don't be scared, send emails. Um, it's always best to see people in person. If you can get to a racetrack and somehow actually talk to people and, uh, and, and let them know how interested you are in, in working in motor racing, uh, then go for it. There's a lot of degrees you can do as well within England, um, specifically aimed at motorsport. And these, these are very good. When we look for placement students within our company, we look at people who are doing these degrees and who are doing things like formula student. Um, you, you learn a lot from doing things like that. And, uh, and it shows that you're committed to doing uh, that little bit extra. Um, so if you can make yourself stand out from the crowd and, and do that bit extra work with the team on weekends, that's a big step to helping you get a job in motor racing. Right. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, uh, is there anything that you change about Formula E? And if so, what would that be? Yes. Um, <laughs> there's only one thing, actually. And what I would change is the qualifying format. Uh, you said before, Joe, that you watch the races. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. The qualifying format is unlike anything else in motorsport, I believe, isn't it? Yeah. So the, the way they do it, they divide the, the grid into four groups and they take the top six in the championship and they go out first. They've got a four minute session and you can do one flying lap. And then after that, they take the next six in the championship and they give them a four minute session and so on. They do four groups. So the problem is, is that for the first group, the track is in a really bad way. I guess it's not in the best way. And they, the guys in the first session are basically cleaning the track for the other groups. And what it tends to do is it puts those first six drivers right at the back of the grid. Uh, so it, it punishes you for your success, I guess. Um, problem is, it's just a really harsh punishment. And, um, and at every race, the, the top six in the championship, they go out first every single time. And we've had it once or twice where maybe, um, maybe the track has been, uh, maybe it's rained halfway through the session. And therefore that would put those guys in the first session right at the front, which is not a problem. Um, and we understand that Formula E do like to, they want to mix it up a bit. They want the fastest guys. They don't want them at the front. They want them in the middle or the back. And we, we all know that makes for fantastic racing. But what I would like to see is those four groups get chosen in a random order and, and say one race, the top six in the championship might go first. At the next race, they might be the third group along or the fourth group, that kind of thing. And then that would give everyone a go at going first or last. But the important thing is you keep those six together and it's, you want the guys who are in the top six fighting against each other and the next six fighting against each other. So having said all that, um, Formula E are going to change that next year, the next season. They're going to, we're not sure what they're going to do. I'm sure they're going to keep it difficult for the teams because they do like to make things difficult for us, but that's all right. We like a challenge. Um, yeah, but, but apart from that, I must say, I think Formula E get lots and lots of things right. Because uh, when it came out in the beginning, a lot of people looked at it and thought, hang on a minute, this is, I don't know if this is going to be successful. I don't know if Formula E is going to be any good because it, it was motor racing, but not quite as we know it. But then they did some things that were really quite, quite fresh and different and like particularly racing in city centres. That, that's just fantastic. When I've spent many years going to fantastic tracks like Spa and Monza and Barcelona and all those fantastic tracks, but to race in the middle of Hong Kong or the middle of Paris, um, New York, you know, that, that, that's absolutely brilliant. So there, there's a lot of things that Formula E does do right. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, I, I understand, um, Ed, it's something we have to say about, should we just had a bit of the interview, 
Um, mm -hmm. Is it something there that we have to say about? Is it the rest of it going out on the podcast? Can you actually? Yeah, I've. I think I've got that here. So you heard a bit of the interview there, and the rest of it I think is going to go out on the tuning page on Monday. So Fantastic. full length. And it was about an hour and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. But we, we felt like we could have gone on forever. Well, he was brilliant, wasn't he? He was, it brilliant. was very good. Worth well, a listen. I understand that. Uh, Tom's got some more list. Sorry, not listeners. Some more guests guests lined up, which is fantastic. Um, there's. Would you believe this weekend? There's no Formula One. There's no MotoGP. No. There's, there's nothing. Well, that, that, don't get me wrong. That there is motorsport on, but I'm, I'm missing MotoGP. There won't be an awful lot to talk about next week, will there? No. We're going to have to get the old quiz book out. So we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get track reports. Track, track. Um, we could do that. Tracks, yeah. Ed, you're going to have to do your. Who am I? I yeah. might even do another episode of motorsport maths, Finn. Oh, oh, I'm terrible at that. Motorsport maths. We, we expect. Why do we expect Finn to win that? Mum's a maths teacher. So if you don't win it, you'll be very good maths teacher. There'll be extra. Oh, thank you. There'll be extra. <laughs> Nothing to do with you, well. Finn. There'll be extra maths homework for you, Finn, if you don't come first. Your mum will be very disappointed so with that. I you know, I'm a mum's maths teacher and I'm in the bottom maths set, so. <gasps> No. Yeah. Really? Does your mum give you extra maths lessons every night? No. No, only Tilly. That's her favourite. She doesn't care about <laughs> that anything. She told me. She spent all weekend doing his sister's homework. And when I said, what, what about Max's homework? She said, no, I don't care about that. Who's doing Tilly's homework? My mother. Isn't it your homework? Especially, uh, especially history. Only Tilly. Especially Tilly. history homework. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Really, really On that bombshell, <laughs> we're going to have to end it there. So um, please tune in next week. So it's, it's goodbye. Bye. Hasta luego. Adeo. Joikin. Odabo. Barajirin. Paka. Joikin. Uva. Salut. Nascorano. This was an SJC Radio production. It was presented and written by Mr. Bird, Finn, Ed, Joe and Max. It was edited by Mr. Bird and Tom Russell, who was also the producer. And the special guest was Patrick Corey from Jaguar Formula Re. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop with Mr. Bird. There's a few new things I want to make you aware of. We've got a new website, which you can find by going online to shows.acast.com forward slash pitstop, where you can also find links to our Twitter and uh, on the About page, more information about the hosts as well. We're also on lots more platforms in addition to where you're listening to us now. So we're now on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music and lots more, as well as TuneIn like we've been on since we started so head over to those platforms to subscribe on the most convenient one for you and find all our back catalogue of episodes to listen to again as well